Hello, everybody. Welcome. As we continue on in our study of the New Testament, this is part number 238. And uh, I just like saying that now. Um, it's not very often you get to say part 238. So I enjoy every time. Um, we are in Revelation chapter 4. We've been working through the New Testament a chapter at a time for the last four and a half years. And we're gaining on it. And uh, we'll, we're, on, we're in the home stretch, the book of Revelation. <clears throat> so we should finish up. Uh, I'd like to say, because of all the holidays and things that happen between now and the end of the year, probably not quite at the end of the year, but early 2015. And then we'll begin our study of the Old Testament in Genesis chapter 1, and we'll work our way through all of the Old Testament over a 15-year period. Yes. So that's the plan. And at that point, after, if I ought to be able to go point, you know, part number 1,000 at some point, and that's really going to be cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That'd be awesome. All right. So we're in Revelation chapter 4, and uh, here's where things start to get even more interesting from this point forward. Uh, if you hold to the futurist view, which is where we're basically looking at. I mean, I'm not, we can, you can hold other views and still get a lot of this study. But uh, from the futurist point of view, which is, I, I think, the, the one that ties in all the things the best. From ch- chapter 4 on, on, we're looking at future events. So things that have not yet happened, that will happen at some point in the future. And so things begin to change and the, the imagery becomes a lot more vivid. Um, John is trying to explain things in, uh, with, with the humanly terms available to him 2,000 years ago at events that we haven't seen yet that he's going to try and explain. He's going to be, he's trying to explain things around the throne room of God that are um, fascinating to look at uh, and, and so all of this, I think, is, is really, really interesting. And we'll do our best to look at, you know, the key terms as we're running through them, uh, and we'll go from there. Again, some of this, because it's future, we, we, nobody really knows. Uh, some things we are going to have to take uh, our, our best sort of educated thoughts about and even guesses about. But um, uh, it's, it's, again, it's, it's, a, it's a book full of hope. Remember, this primarily is a revelation of Jesus Christ. It's the book with a promise of being blessed if you, if you continue to hang in there and read it and study it. And, and, uh, and so it's a fascinating book. And the, the, it's filled with the hope of, of Jesus' return. And so it's a, it's a wonderful book, even though sometimes, you know, there's things we, we may not fully understand. There's, um, if you try to get too stuck in one particular way of looking at it, so you might miss everything that's, that's gonna, that you can see from it. So even with a futurist viewpoint, um, th- there's a tendency sometimes to start trying, uh, tying things into events as we see them now. And, and it's, it's fascinating, but it can be distracting as well and, and get you sort of off track of what really matters, that this is a revelation of Jesus Christ. Jesus is coming back for us. And uh, for those who believe, it's a, it's a wonderful, fascinating, glorious full of hope event not as much for people that don't know Jesus but this is written to the people that do okay and uh, and so it's a very very good thing so uh, if you uh, have that future viewpoint um, uh, at chapter 4 this would be sort of the time of the rapture is chapter 4 right around now because from now on the church isn't mentioned until chapter 19 so it's been up till now all about the church 
uh, you know, particularly verses 2 and 3, uh, chapters 2 and 3, and now suddenly the church is not mentioned again, the saved ones, until chapter 19 when Jesus is coming back with the second coming. So um, something happens in Revelation chapter 4. Um, and, and so the futures view would hold primarily, and there's some room in this that, and that's the, the rapture, and in case that's an, you know, a term you haven't seen, and it's the, the rapture, the, the word rapture itself is not in the Bible. Um, it's a term which um, refers to the being caught up that's in 1 Thessalonians 4. We'll look at that in a minute. But the rapture is Jesus' return to earth to remove the church from the earth. Now, this happens. Um, and, and so a lot of people, many believe it's pre-tribulation, which is before the seven-year mess. Um, there's a lot of people that believe it's halfway through uh, the church goes. There's some people that believe it happens at the end. Um, and again, I think less important when more important is that it happens and that's what we rejoice in that Jesus at some point is going to come and, and grab the church and catch us up to him uh, and that's, a, that's an amazing and hopeful day that comes from first Thess- two spots first Thessalonians first, uh, first one is first Thessalonians 4 13 through 18 you can write that address down because it's not in your notes first Thessalonians 4 13 through 18 I'll read it to you brothers we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. We believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in Him. According to the Lord's own word, we, will, uh, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left till the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord Himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together, that's where we get the term rapture from, with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. So this is the um, return of Jesus for the church, his bride, coming as the bridegroom at trumpet sound. And, and uh, I'll talk about that more, but we, we've talked about that. We've looked at that. The proposal from Jesus, the bridegroom, to the church, the bride was at the Last Supper. The whole thing with the cups was an absolute proposal. And then he said, I go to prepare a place for you. That's common um, marriage practice. Once the betrothal takes place, the husband would go and prepare a place for them to be uh, together and he would come back when that place was ready. Only the father knew when the place was ready. The son couldn't determine that on his own because he would have just, like I always tease about this, but he would have thrown down a sleeping bag and gone back for his bride, um, you know, thrown up a few things for a shack roof, and off he goes to get his bride. But no, it had to be done correctly and properly uh, the way it should be done, and only the father would say when it was time to go and get his bride. So prophetically, that's what happens. And when this takes place, when Jesus comes at trumpet sound, his bride, the church, believers in Christ, are caught up to him in the air. And so we will be with him forever. It's the beginning of the, the marriage of Supper of the Lamb and all that good stuff. 1 Corinthians 15, 50, 50 to 54. Write that down. I'm going to get it out. 1 Corinthians 15, 50 to 54. I declare to you, brothers, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. 
in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true, death has been swallowed up in victory. Two things, one on a lighter note, this verse that I read you in 51 we will not all be asleep we will not all sleep but we will all be changed it's a great thing to put over the nursery uh, door as a verse she just said that okay we've been around too long alright so on a more serious note here's the deal and this is fascinating I think to think about and people have asked me this sometimes and, and there's a lot of room for this in interpretation as well and where you go but what happens when we're caught up um, is that uh, we all get to and it's, this is now believers of all time so from, from the beginning uh, of all time we're caught up to Jesus at this point in time in history whenever this takes place Jesus comes back for his bride we're caught up to him um, and people ask questions like that so um, because there's some fascinating things that are written in those verses we won't all sleep but we will all be changed the dead will rise first what does that mean and, and also in uh, earlier on in First Thessalonians we believe that Jesus died and rose again and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him so there's different ways to look at this so what happens when, when people die they'll ask me this all the time well when you die what happens Do you, are you sitting somewhere for a while until Jesus comes back for us or um, do, are you there or what happens um I think some, this is, so I'm, I'm going to tell you how I think about it. And then, like I said, you don't have to agree with me. And there's lots of different thoughts on it, just where I'm coming from. Um, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, 8, this thing where he says, you know, um, it's uh, to be um, absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So, uh, I believe, personally, when we die, we're going to be with Jesus. Now, um, and, and people would go, well, how about, how do they rise first? I think at some point then, their bodies their resurrected bodies catch up to them hanging out with Jesus and whatever that looks like um, because it, it says he's going to bring them with them and then, the, and then the dead will rise and then there's this whole thing imperishable and perishable and you, it's all clothed together because uh, the, you know, the immortal can't be part of the mortal and, and uh, the, the other way around the mortal with immortality the perishable with the imperishable at this great moment then um, all of us are, whether if we're alive we just are caught up to him and we get our resurrected bodies uh, if people have gone before us I think that whole process of getting resurrected bodies takes place at that point in time if that's not the case then the other thing that, that I would say to people is God's not stuck in the time warp that we are um, you know in the place that we are in time so um, I, I believe that what you would experience if it's not that you're immediately in the presence of the Lord and maybe your resurrected body catches up to you is that you don't know that there's a time gap that you you're gone and then you're with him and it's just like that that's your, your, your next conscious thought is that you're with Jesus um, so wherever you're more comfortable in those thoughts but I don't think for believers there's a waiting time because Paul said to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord so we're there and uh, we're already seated with him in the heavenly realms that's another verse in scripture so there's a lot of that stuff but people uh, are, move all over the place I'm very comfortable with lots of different thoughts in the process but I do know that there is a time when Jesus is coming back for the church and we're caught up to him and whoever that looks and that's going to be in a, that's going to be cool see when you read this stuff now I believe that's going to happen you need to think 
Some people go, oh, that's going to happen. A day is coming at trumpet sound when you will be caught up to the Lord in the air. At some point, boom, you're going to be with him. And, and that's everything. It's just going to be, I don't even think we can fully fathom it when we take that in. But at some point, everything that you understand physically and naturally and all this stuff is just, boop, gone with Jesus in the clouds, whatever that looks like. Now, um, I believe that this catching up and the second coming are two separate events for a lot of different reasons. So, but some people don't. They think it's the same thing. I, I think it's two separate events that take place, and I think the Scripture bear it out, um, because we're not going to read about the second coming of Jesus until Revelation 19. Something happens here in chapter 4. The church isn't around anymore. There's go on. Now, I also believe, I am going to actually read Revelation 4 in a minute, but I want to lay down some other foundation. One of the reasons I so strongly believe that is because of the seven feasts of Israel. And that every year, the um, people of Israel were commanded to observe seven feasts. And they happened at specific times throughout the year, and they had to observe these feasts. And the Jewish people had to observe, in particular, and still do, um, Rosh Hashanah, atonement. They can't miss one. If they miss that one, they're done. They're out of the whole deal, all right? So, the the feasts, though, are fascinating, because there's seven feasts. The first feast every year was Passover at a specific time. Um, and, and here's what begins to happen, is that Passover was perfectly fulfilled by Jesus, prophetically. Jesus fulfilled Passover. Uh, and the next one happened two days later, unleavened bread, uh, or, you know, the next night with unleavened bread, and then first fruits. These three festivals, these three feasts happened in a, in a, a three-day process, and Jesus fulfilled each of them perfectly with the, um, at, the, at the Last Supper and, and with the crucifixion, the, the bread, the breaking of the bread, and the resurrection, which was first fruits. All of them perfectly fulfilled on the exact days they were supposed to happen by Jesus. The fourth feast is Pentecost. That's also been fulfilled. That we know that Pentecost has been filled. The Holy Spirit came, and that was another harvest feast. First fruits was a very small harvest, and so first fruit prophetically was filled by Jesus. And if you remember, there was a little group of people that popped up of about 500, if you read it in Matthew. At the, at the, it doesn't get a big deal in there, but it happens. First fruits. Pentecost, 3,000 are added, added to the church. Book of Acts. That's the next harvest. And, and the crops are like that. Then we enter into a summer season. The next harvest time ends at trumpets. Well, that's where we're at now. We're in the harvest, right? I mean, that's the season that we live in, is the harvest. At trumpet sound, all who are um, believers at, at trumpet sound, that the trumpet call, all, there was a time to go and worship God. And it says in the book, that uh, in, in the Bible, that at that point in time, when the believers heard trumpet sound, they would go and worship. They would stop what they were doing, regardless of where they were in the harvest, and they would go. Um, others might not. If they didn't know God, they would stay there and continue to be there. All right. Trumpet sound. Well, all these verses I just read to you all happen to trumpet sound. It's the, it's the rapture, I think. It's the trumpets is the church being caught up. Because the next feast is atonement, and we've already been atoned for as believers in Christ. We don't need that one. We've already, Jesus is our atonement. There'd be no reason to sit through that one. Um, but God's still working out with the people of Israel. Got to deal with that one in this process. So that's my belief. It's, it's lots of room for interpretation in that. And then the the last feast is called Tabernacles, and that's where things get straightened back out again. So, um, I believe we've prophetically seen the first four of the seven fulfilled in Jesus and the Holy Spirit, and then um, 
my thing is texting so I'm getting group texts <laughs> and they're going ding now I can't turn the sound off will you turn the sound off on that I don't need it back right in this minute so um, I think the feasts even tie into this prophetically taking place and that's what happens so it's a um, it's not the second coming which is a different event it's it's the it's the uh two different events rapture and then the second coming which is revelation 19 so uh, again when it happens is uh is debatable and um could be pre-trib mid-trib post-trib i believe it's pre-trib just because it ties in better with the feast but it's okay if you want to believe in the other two that's fine i know a big part of the church doesn't believe they're separate events and that's okay too if, if it happens post-trib it will seem like it's happening at the same time but there is the verses that I read to you which means the church is caught up to Jesus in the process okay so let's look at Revelation uh, 4 it's not very long that's why I spent so much time talking about it beginning in verse 1 after this I looked and there before me was a door standing open in heaven and the voice I had first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said come up here and I will show you what must take place after this so Jesus was calling to him at once I was in the spirit and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it and the one who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Carnelian a rainbow resembling an emerald encircled the throne surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones and seated on them were 24 elders they were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their heads from the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings, and peals of thunder. Before the throne, seven lamps were blazing. These are the seven spirits of God. We've also seen that's another term for the Holy Spirit. It happens. The seven is the number of completeness, the Holy Spirit. Also, before the throne, there, were what, there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. In the center, around the throne, were four living creatures, and they were covered with eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion, the second was like an ox, the third had a face like a man, and the fourth was like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under his wings. Day and night they never stopped saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures gave glory and honor and thanks to them who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the twenty-four elders fell down before him who also sits, who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. So here, um, you know, we've, uh, we've, what's happened here in the first two verses of Revelation we're moved from earth to heaven and the scene changes from Jesus standing among the churches to the throne room with the father sitting on his eternal throne and, and when, when John says he was in the spirit it means the Holy Spirit was giving him a vision and, and you know if you can even begin to try and picture you know um, what that looked like the, the explosion of colors that, was, that John was trying to describe with a rainbow and with things, you know, look like emeralds and, and um, with these living creatures, these angelic 
beings surrounding the throne and worship was going on and it was like lightning and thunder he's trying to give you the 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 uh, the magnificence of what was happening in the in all this worship in the presence of God and there was God the father sitting on his throne the very throne room of God and all this was taking place and and so it was a it was a, an amazing scene imagine you know being the apostle John and, and stepping into this entire process um, and and these angelic beings who are praising God night and day holy 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 who uh, is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come now in the Old Testament we get a couple other glimpses into the throne room um, by some of the Old Testament prophets Ezekiel was one and Isaiah was the other um, listen to this in Ezekiel 1 4 through 14 Ezekiel says I looked and I saw a windstorm coming out of the north an immense cloud with flashing lightning and surrounded by brilliant light the center of the fire looked like glowing metal and in the fire was what looked like four living creatures in appearance their form was that of a man but each of them had four faces and four wings their legs were straight their feet were like those of a calf and gleamed like burnished bronze under their wings on their four sides they had hands of a man all four of them had faces and wings and their wings touched one another and each one went straight ahead and they they did not turn as they moved and their faces looked like this each of the four had the face of a man on the right side each had the face of a lion on the left side the face of an ox and each also had the face of an eagle such were their faces their wings were spread out upward each had two wings one touching the wing of another creature on either side and two wings covering its body each one went straight ahead whenever the spirit would go or wherever the spirit would go they would go without turning as they went the appearance of the living creatures were like burning coals of fire like torches fire moved back and forth among the creatures it was bright and lightning flashed out of it the creatures sped back and forth like flashes of lightning again it's just this is this amazing imagery that that is so hard to comprehend in our finite human brains and yet at the throne room of God, this, this immense worship, this fascinating thing is taking place. And these guys are trying to describe it, and they're not even sure how to do it. Isaiah says in Isaiah 6, 1 and following through verse 4, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Uh, temple. Above him were seraphs, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their face, and with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorpost and threshold shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. And, and this is going on around the throne of the living God. And it's uh, just colors and, and vibrant colors. And, and the, in, in the presence of God, uh, every, the, the, it's worship just busting forth everywhere. And it's, you can't be contained. It's what happens in the presence of holiness. You just want to worship and praise. And, and that's what was taking place in the process. So, he, so here goes you know, the Apostle John into that, that whole thing. And he's trying to describe everything is taking place. So all this is happening in the throne. Just outside that inner circle, there's 24 elders that are also involved in this worship and, and they, lay, they joyfully are laying their crowns before the throne and they're saying you are worthy our Lord and God to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they were created and have their being 
And this just keeps going on, right? The, the, and, and I believe it's sort of like, you know, they're calling back and forth to one another. The, 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 the group are, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And, and then that'll run through the room and they'll, they'll, they'll be like that. And the elders are moved because of the process and they jump into it as well. And they, they take their crowns. Worthy are you, Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things. And this is going on around the throne. And it's an amazing, an amazing process. The 24 elders um, most likely represent the 12 tribes of Israel and the 12 apostles as a uh, a representation um, of the redeemed of God for all time. So that's most likely what that is. Again, we're not exactly sure, but it's, it's a picture of all of the redeemed of all time involved in worshiping the Lord. And that's what's happening as John steps in uh, to this process in chapter 4 and, and really you know take time and just kind of let that think in a little bit I, I, you know we talk about the throne room here a lot I talk about access to the throne room of God for grace in our time of need um, but I don't know we, I think sometimes we, we sort of sanitize it a lot more than it really is you know we take it down so we can kind of handle it you know and there's God you know with the beard and, hey how you doing buddy and uh <laughs> <laughs> just so we can deal with it but it's not like that it's it's this um, it's the most amazing place in the universe there's nothing like it anywhere it's god in all his glory and holiness worship taking place vibrant colors and lights and sounds and, and smells and just beyond what we can really comprehend and you see these guys as they're writing and they're like yeah and there's these these things there that are just worshiping god and they're like like an ox and an eagle and a lion and a and a human with wings and they get six or four or two and they've got two here and two here and it's like "Eh," you know and it's like all that stuff's going and they don't even know how to describe it because it's so fantastic And, and and we're invited into that in christ and it's it's you know, it's beyond what we... But we're invited into it. If We can go in that boldly with confidence because of what Jesus has done. We're invited in. Can you, and we're seated there already. Can you... I, I know we, it's hard to comprehend, but... But um, one of the reasons I love Revelation is when... Anybody here... Does life ever get tough for anybody? <laughs> Sometimes when life is tough and you're like... You know, there's this whole thing coming. That, that is amazing and fascinating and glorious and, and we need to be aware of that and what's taking place and so um, I just want to encourage you to think about those things this week that's enough 11 simple verses a lot going on we'll get into chapter 5 next week but that's good for tonight if you're watching by video or on television thank you so much we appreciate you doing that love to see you come and visit sometime if you can but uh, that's good enough for now <laughs>